Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are going to go down there and win a football game. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> yeah, but we never specified what like type of football we were talking about. We were talking about the universal like European standard of football. And Philadelphia definitely won a, uh, a football game by that respects today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And this is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. You can also find me with my arms tucked behind my back as I run downfield, <laughs> hoping that nobody throws the ball in my direction. <laughs> Doing the pigeon. <laughs> I, I could literally hear for who, for what, as he as the ball like lo- you know bounced towards the fifteen yard line. So, uh, all right. So the the Eagles get absolutely humiliated tonight on Son of NBC uh, Sunday Night Football, and uh, I mean, what are you talking about? Like uh, Jason Garrett completely outcoaches Doug Peterson, Dak Prescott completely outplays Carson Wentz and um we are we are not the best team in this division your thoughts well, that about sums it up uh Gene <laughs> can play the outro music now um but no it's I as I was setting up getting ready I was trying to think who had a good game for the Eagles today Elliot the kicker that's it you know Elliot had a fine game. Now, the game is still going on. We were actually recording this with uh, just over two minutes left. So if there's an amazing comeback, we'll, we'll bring it to you live. But no one had a good game. No one. If you want to blame this, put this loss on Carson, go ahead. You want to put it on Doug, go ahead. You want to put it on the defense, pick somebody. Yeah, this, it, this was a colossal failure. Uh, well, I mean, I would say the the vast majority of the responsibility of this loss, at least in my opinion, goes to Carson Wentz. I mean, he's responsible for a slew of turnovers tonight. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, don't, I guess he was able to move the ball on some drives, uh, but I just didn't see. I just didn't see much. We were never in this game. We were behind yeah. almost immediately. And when you when you basically spot a team fourteen points, and you're you're playing in in such a a desperate mode, at no point in this game did the did the offense seem like it had anything anywhere near its shit together. I don't want to say that you know it was a case of well they should have deferred. No, the plan I think was that they were going to go out to a fast start. Well, if you fumble the ball twice. Uh, you immediately give the other team that exact momentum you were trying to to gain. Um, we talked about this. We talked about this last week when we said like all this pressure is on Wentz. He's got to be perfect. He's got to score on almost every drive. Uh, and I mean, he, he would think that the offense would play that way. They would think that they need to score on every drive. They wouldn't be sloppy. They would make sure that you know we're securing balls and and not making dumb mental errors. This is unacceptable. It is. And, you know, Carson's had a lot of chances to come through in high-pressure situations. And he really hasn't. You know, he's... he's, And I'm not, like, damning his whole career. I'm just saying, 
he hasn't shown us that, you know, killer's mentality, that winner's mentality of, you know, put the spotlight on me, you know, I'm going to thrive under high pressure. And, you know, this game, he was bad. He had a couple good deep balls, several overthrows, you know, how many of the seven freaking turnovers uh, that the Eagles had tonight can be put on him at least five, I'd say. And it was a, it was a bad, bad game by him, man. And yeah, I get, I guess Dave, I'm probably, I'm probably with you, you know, that, you know, maybe the, the defense was more responsible because we couldn't stop shit. But we've only put up 10 points, and and we've barely done that. You know, if you have an elite quarterback and most of his weapons are available to him, this shouldn't be the case. This shouldn't be as ugly as it was tonight. We all reveled in Sam Darnold slicing and dicing this defense up last week. If if Sam Darnold can do this with his uh, bevy of receivers and weapons— uh, why, why can't we at least stay in this game? Uh, you know, at what point do, do you have to wonder, you know, have we, have we made a mistake? Did, you know, do we not have the guy that we thought we had? Like, like Chuck said, I don't know that I'm damning his whole career, but I'm beginning to start to understand that maybe there's something to some of the criticism that we hear coming out of the locker room. I mean, I, you know, I'm starting to feel like I, 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 I'm like Jon Snow over here. Like, I know nothing. I, <laughs> it's so – I was so sure. Like, I'm so sure on Carson Wentz. For, for three years, I've been so sure. But, I mean, how many times – I guess the game just ended. Yep, officially over. 37-10. 37-10. I was so sure. And, you know, every week I, I go – all right, what's my what's the excuse this week? You know what? I mean, subconsciously, you know, I'm always I'm always defending Wentz. Well, this week, you know, I didn't have any weapons. This week, you know, it's a bad spot. This it's a bad matchup. I don't know. Hard luck, drop passes. What are you gonna do? But you know, the time this is it. The time for excuses is over, man. Fucking make something happen. He's basically I see got quarterbacks the- all over this league make something happen. He's basically got the same receivers that won the fucking Super Bowl. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Like, what threat on the outside did Nick Foles have in the Super Bowl that Carson Wentz doesn't have? Yeah, and and, and we can all say that Wentz has better skill set than Foles. He does. He has better tools than Foles. But right now, honestly, Nick Foles and this offense tonight – would we have lost 37 to 10? It's like, all right, that's a great example. Okay. Uh, I, I can go out and I can buy every tool at home Depot. I can have every tool. I got all the tools, right? But I, and a, a skilled carpenter could do more with a hammer, a screwdriver and a wrench than I could do with every tool in, in home Depot. Like maybe that's maybe that's what we're looking at here. Like, make it happen. Kirk Cousins makes stuff happen. Sam Darnold makes stuff happen. I see Kyler Murray makes stuff happen. 
What, what's my guy doing? I see it. I see glimpses of it on individual plays. I see the escapability. I see the mobility. I see the 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 gunslinger brashness, willing to 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 try. But when it comes to the whole game. You put up these great uh, uh, pro football focus has him as the best quarterback through four games. Well, what's our fucking record? Here's the, uh, I think, a a pretty good example. We have a guy who can hurl it to the opposite 15 from our 10, um, you know, with ease. But if he's got to lead his tight end on an eight-yard out route, a yard and a half so that the linebacker can't deflect the pass. He can't, he, he doesn't make that throw. And that's the thing. Sometimes it's a matter of knowing the difference between when you've got to unload the cannon and when you've got to make sure that you've got that bar, a yard, a ball, a yard out in front of your tight end. Or what the hell was that? It was third and, you know, it wasn't third and goal, but we're in the red zone practically and the overthrow to Alshon. You know, that was a that was a touchdown. There was space there. And yeah, Alshon might have mistimed his jump, but Wentz overthrew him. And yeah. You know, to go back to Dave's carpentry analysis, you know, uh analogy, um, you know, it's the the bad craftsman that blames his tools. You know, Wentz says all the right things in public, but I mean, we've had our what second or third story recently of you know talk in the locker room of you know him not being a great locker room uh, presence and you know passing blame around and eager to you know pass the buck and blame other people that's not a good look man you know and i hope i'm wrong but come out and show me this was the game to show me this was the game to go and remove all doubts, and the only thing it's done is, like, quadrupled mine. Well, especially following what you put up in Minnesota. I don't know how much more of a gut check you needed than to take that ass-kicking that you just took, um, to not feel like you've, you've, you can rest on your laurels. Like, they should have put in, like, the week of work of all weeks of work. Like, they should have been ready for this game. And I have not seen a team under Doug Peterson appear the like as a, the last two weeks they have just looked completely unprepared and if there's anything uh, you know can we even begin to analyze what to put on the coach when you are that far behind that early like what other strategy does Doug have other than to be like go out and get first downs like there you know is there any is there any strategy you can even employ here were there even any situations where Doug could have gained an edge because, you know, on your first three offensive plays, you've committed two turnovers and you're down 14 points. Uh, But I can put the blame on the fact that I don't think that this team was prepared for Dallas. You know what, Gene? You know what, Gene? We score 32 points. I'm with you. But we are not going to win a single game on our schedule scoring 10 points. So, I mean, what, what was the game plan? Uh, we well, we were going to run it more, but now we're so far behind. I didn't see that making any headway anyway. Well, and you were so far behind after two minutes, you, you could still run the ball if if that's how you get first downs. Yeah, why would you why would you abandon the run because you're down fourteen nothing after time? you got the whole game. And why and why do we insist on if we run for positive yards 
three straight times up the middle, like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll play to their strength and run to the outside where their fast linebackers can tackle us. You know what else sucks about this whole thing? I mean, how hype were you all week and especially the weekend and especially today for this game to happen? And then not 15 minutes into the game, you're completely out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that that 14 nothing deficit and having no faith that it was going to turn around. And then, you know, not completely, you know, writing the obituary, but after the first quarter, I, I had no reason to believe the Eagles would turn it around, especially at the half. You know, we were lucky to be down what 21-3 at the half or 21-7 at the half. Where the And also was. knowing that you, you – I don't know. Do you have a fractured locker room here? Uh, is there, you know, contention in the ranks? There's a lot of smoke, so there's probably some sort of fire. I mean, you're not going to come back with a team like that. You have to be galvanized to make huge comebacks. Yeah. You know, and I want to go back to something Gene said about, like – this being a, a gut check time. Well, it was damn certain a gut check for Dallas. They dropped three straight. Now the Eagles gave them a big opportunity to, you know, with our loss last week and they were going playing the jets. You know, that was a big opportunity for them to, you know, take sole possession of first place going into a game against us. And they coughed it up there and they came out and did what you were supposed to do. You know, it's, we made it look easy for him, but Dallas was like, okay, you dropped three in a row. You haven't beaten a good team yet. And all right, now it's the team you're fighting for the, the leading year, you know, the ownership of the division title. And they came out and they kicked our ass, you know, so maybe they didn't play a good team this week. It's amazing to me that all week I've, I've been hearing stories of how, uh, when uh, Mrs. So and So from on the block first met uh, first met Andy Reid, the first thing she said to him is, "Oh, Andy, you can do anything as long as you beat Dallas twice a year." You know, like I hate that sort of mentality in in a, in a season where I truly had going into the year aspirations that not only were we going to be the best team in the NFC East, and it didn't seem like that was even going to be in question, but I really thought we were maybe top three in the whole NFL that that maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Patriots had an edge on us, but I really believe that we were the best team in the NFC. And we have not once, not in this whole season, played like the team that inspired that sort of faith. Yeah, Dave, you came in the season saying, what, this was the most hype you ever were for an Eagles season? You know, and I'm like not knocking it. I think we all were excited, but you specifically, you know, you were saying this is the most excited you've been for an Eagle season. We're getting a lot of shrugs from Dave. Yeah, I mean, nobody was nobody was higher on the Eagles than me coming into this season. And I mean, I think we saw it in glimpses of the first game. Like, you know, you saw what this offense could be, you know, in the second half of game one. But uh, I mean, we saw it for a quarter, a quarter and a half, and that's all you get. I mean, that's all. And that's with the full complement of weapons. I mean, that's with Sproles. That's with Jackson. 
uh, you know, that's with both tight ends and and a healthy offensive line. And, you know, it's just like as soon as you take as soon as you give this team an excuse, it seems like it's they, they take advantage of it and just say, oh, we can't do it because of X. And that's something that I never thought we'd see out of this Doug Peterson team. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess that's just where we're at right now. I mean, maybe everyone's, you know, lazy on the Super Bowl now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what to tell you either. It's In that Super Bowl year, this team looks nothing like it. Nothing like it. That was a team, oh, God, the freaking underdogs, the, you know, hungry dogs, you know, run faster, all that stuff. I don't see a damn hungry dog here. I don't see a team of underdogs. I see people who are like, no, we're good. Yeah, it's go almost like, do we need to tear the whole thing down? Like I know that's really dramatic, and I don't want to make it seem like, you know, we're having a knee-jerk reaction after one game. But I mean, is it really one game? No, it's 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 not one game. It's it's been, it's been most of the year. You know, we we are in a position now where there just aren't enough games that are winnable to put us in a position to make the even the playoffs now. I mean, do you feel like you could? You, we're going to be able to, to beat uh, the Bears at home. Do you think that we're going to no. be able to to beat uh, Seattle and then the Patriots? We we no could, and we, no. We could no be, before we get to the easy part of the schedule. It's going to be over. We're going to have seven or eight losses, and it's going to be, right. And that's exactly. And then we're going to be mad that we're going to run off five wins in a row to end the season. Right, right. We will be we will be the, the most hot shit eight and eight team that the NFL has ever seen. Yeah, maybe they'll just shut Wentz down because he has some other, you know, injury that all off season we can point to to say that well that's why it failed this year. And 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 it'll be a, a great opportunity for us to showcase Nate Sudfeld for for some other team to go and and. I mean, eventually, eventually, we need to start to wake up from the slumber that we've been in since the Super Bowl. And I mean, we as as fans need to wake up. Uh, we need to get woke. And maybe maybe the Foles people were the wokest people among us. I mean, maybe that's true. I don't know. I never thought I would say this stuff. I really never did. I honestly think that if there was ever uh, a sort of a battle cry, a sort of rallying point to 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 the fans, uh, it's a game like this. I, I I really think that they are not going to get the reaction that they are expecting when they come home. Um, this is not. We are not a, a fan base that's going to be able to forget easily. Uh, they are not going to take the field to to raucous cheers. Like this may be. You want to you want to see boo birds. You you know NBC get ready to write your stories about booing Santa Claus and and, and snowballs <laughs> because we are going to boo this team when they take the field at home next. It's going to happen. Like uh, if there is there's one thing I am sure in life is that this team is going to be showered with our disapproval when they arrive home. I mean, yeah, you be. mentioned you mentioned hungry dogs. I saw hungry dogs on the field. Yeah, yeah, they they all played for Dallas. Dak is hungry. Zeke's yeah. hungry. Cooper's hungry. Those dudes are hungry. That defense was hungry. We're not hungry. No. And, and let, let's talk about the Eagles Dallas rivalry of late. When's the last time we beat them? When have we beaten 16. Dallas in the Doug Peterson era? Yeah, but it's it, it was when it, the last time was when Zeke was on suspension, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, that's a, I mean, it was I think it was 
five games ago. Okay. Well, so, okay, but it's been a bit. It's but been I've been bit. with Doug. Yeah. I rode with Doug this week, man. I've been Dallas sucks all week. People will say, Dave, you worried? I said, no, I'm not worried. Dallas sucks. 100% <laughs> Eagles, Dallas sucks. What are you talking about? Dallas sucks. Dallas sucks. They lost to the Jets. They suck. Yeah, they, this was the week to go out and, and punch him in the mouth. And it, this this show should have the completely opposite, you know, feeling as it has right now. This should be, this should be yes, we are this good. You know, there are reasons for doubt, but nope, tonight removed all doubt. This is the kind and of game. And it did, but the opposite way. This is the kind of game that, like, those, those you know, more than anything, I hate the, I was raised in Philadelphia, but I wear a star on my jacket. Um, mm. This is the game that these people live for. This is exactly the reason why those people exist. They see how much we seethe with anger and rage uh, when we get, when this happens and they take such joy in in our misery when we so that's why they that's why they exist it's not that they really love dallas what they really love is our misery that's that's what feeds that monster of the 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 homegrown dallas fan and 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 nothing makes me more irritated than when you you know you're going to walk into work today or you're going to walk into wawa and you're going to see that that guy who's going to have his uh, J- uh, Jimmy Johnson era starter jacket on and his and his huh. shades and his blue star and he's going to be so he's going to get butt in line to get his coffee and he's going to put it like three quarters of French vanilla creamer in there because that's the kind of guy that loves Dallas. He doesn't like coffee. He likes the taste of creamer. <laughs> Yeah, someone with a very thick Philadelphia and a- Philadelphia accent and a ten-gallon hat. And here's another thing that's going to tick me off this week. I I can almost guarantee a player or a coach on the Philadelphia Eagles is going to come out and say something to the effect of basically pointed at us, the fans that are having this reaction that we're having in this conversation, and they're going to say something like, "Don't come back." When we're in the playoffs, or or you know when when we you know when we run the table, don't come back if you're if you're against us now. Like no one's against you. Like let me just preemptively address that right now. No one's against you. No one wants you to succeed more than the people that are on this show right now. But you got to give us something. Like we're just supposed to blind faith. This. What have you shown us this year? You can mop up against a scrub Washington team in the second half. And you can clean up against a dude off the street playing quarterback. Yeah, okay, I'll give you credit for that for that Packers game, but my lord, you have to show us something. Yeah, and we've said it so many times on this show, and it's you know sort of our mantra of Philadelphia fandom is a double-edged sword, and the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. You're not going to get. You don't want apathy from us. If you get apathy from us, then you have to do what the Flyers did, you know, last year and this year. And not talking about gritty. That's that was divine intervention. I'm talking about promos. I'm talking about lowering ticket prices. I'm talking about doing something to compete for fans like you're a newer marketplace or you have fickle fans. One thing in Philadelphia you typically don't have is fickle fans. 
And if if your fans are apathetic or willing to, you know, just stay home as opposed to boo or go and eh, they put up a good effort as opposed to boo, y- you've lost them. You've lost the fans. That's a rare achievement. No, th- this this show, this anger, this irritation is what you get when you get a passionate fan base. You want us to be apathetic? Fine. But don't expect the love. Don't expect the loud home crowd. Don't expect all the good stuff if you're not willing to take the bad. Well, a, a bad fan base is when you uh, you play in front of a crowd that's 80% the road team, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and very honestly, we were talking earlier about, like, the, the Super Bowl hangover, and I honestly think that, this is it. Like this, this is where all of us kind of come out of the uh, the stupor. I don't. I don't. I think you're going to hear a lot less of the, you know, hey, gambling Doug. You know, it's fourth down. You know, you, you just got. This is what Doug do. There's going to be a hell of a lot less of that kind of like uh, short leash kind of stuff. You're going to see a lot of a more teeth bared. And honestly, the other thing that I think you're you're gonna you know we're we're gonna start to see is uh you know you you got to start doing the math. Seven win, seven losses, and you are maybe barely a wild card team. Once you hit that eighth loss, forget it. And we are at four. And if I look down the schedule, I see almost three more losses before I see another win. And but that that makes it real, real tough to do do your December magic when you already have the math behind you. You know, and you've still got to play Dallas one more time late in the year. Uh, and you know, the Giants. They're going to be, you know, they lost today, but had they pulled that off, they would have been right on your heels. And that's a team that, honestly, whether it's true or not, they believe that they are better than they are. And that's exactly the kind of team that that nips us. And we still play Miami, right? Yeah, maybe we can be lucky and be their first win. <laughs> I think, and I also think we got to start thinking about what is the future of Mike Groh. I, I, I'm not sure that he is uh well, one, I'm not really sure what he does. And two, the offense is not working. I mean, yeah. you know, is this a, you know, this is a little bit of a bigger situation than like the Phillies and the hitting coach. Like your offensive coordinator is the one, you know, if, if there's nothing else that can set that example is uh, the offensive coordinator from the Super Bowl year is now uh, a pretty damn good head coach in Indianapolis. Uh, so, you know, it's important that these coordinators all kind of have this get on the same side. And I'm getting real close to being done with this whole Jim Schwartz thing. Like he does not seem to have any evolution, you know, to what he's been doing. And, uh, you know, maybe we got to blow that whole situation up. I mean, I'm will, I'm more willing to give Schwartz the leash than then the offense I, I I mean I think the offense has enough to get the job done you know if Wentz is the quarterback that we all are are sold on him being or, or you know uh being told what he is but the uh, the defense it's it's they, they have nothing man and what they had is injury it's bad yeah it's a bad defense yeah. it's a real bad defense and uh, you know there is nothing physically that I can see that is wrong with Carson Wentz in fact Physically, to me, it seems to me he does things better than even, uh, you know, in his his when he was having success in in, in 2017. Like he he physically looks, uh, you know, a little bit bigger. He looks, you know, he sheds 
pretty big dudes that try to tackle him, but his decision-making seems just off for some reason. And I better not – I don't want to hear anything from anybody all week. I, be, I don't want to hear anything from anybody until you win a football game. Yeah. I don't want to hear – I don't want to hear any trash talk from any coach, player, fan. I don't want to hear any of that until you win a football game. I don't want to hear leaked reports to reporters about Wentz, you know, and not doing it. Like, nobody's doing their job. Nobody. There's no, there is no facts, unless it's the, unless it's the kicker. Maybe, maybe Elliot can, can, you know, cast the first stone. <laughs> so you missed a field goal this year? Uh, no, he's he was perfect. Yeah, they even mentioned on the broadcast. He hasn't kicked that many though. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Doug's always taking the ball out of his foot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant. I just never heard that phrase. You know, can one <laughs> put a ball in your foot? <laughs> yeah, he's a coach. I'm your man here. <laughs> put that ball in my foot. I will get us that three points. All right. And now I have an image of him hopping on one foot and playing hacky sack with the football. <laughs> but no, no but I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but kickers like aren't supposed to talk. And when they do, you know, they get a lot of shit. But I don't know. He's he's been consistent. We can trust him. Uh, maybe that's what it comes down to. I don't trust anybody. Malcolm Jenkins, I trust. There's been a lot of consistency that's on this team, though, Chuck. I mean, one thing that I was happy to see that was consistent is that Jalen Mills is still Jalen Mills. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I I do think that one of my my in like classic Jalen Mills form, like he gets absolutely crispy burnt going down the side. You know, going down the sideline. As soon as that play gets made, he's turning around. Where's the flag, bro? <laughs> bro, <laughs> nobody <I've>... touched you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched a secondary like this year's secondary is I get this. Uh, let me know if you guys have the same, you know, mindset when you're like you're watching the, the two play, the receiver and the, the D back run down the field and you see the ball in the air. And then you expect like if you were playing Madden or something, when you hit the the action button or like the jump button, like you expect like at that time for our D back to do something, <laughs> but they don't like, they just don't. It's like, you're looking at the ball. I see you looking at the ball. I could see which way your helmet. Like, can you try to jump or d deflect or intercept or something? I don't yes, know. Please I, proceed to the animation, the defending the pass <laughs> animation. Yeah. It do almost feels like they just watch the ball go into the receiver's yeah. hands. They're just really big fans of offense, and they just get, like, starstruck. It's, it's like, so man, I can't believe he's going to make this catch. Uh, but uh, they sep I thought you were going to go with the separation. Like, you see them going downfield, you know, like when they leave the line, you know, neck and neck. And then, you know, camera's on the quarterback. The ball leaves his hand, and it's going to the receiver. And there's, like, three steps between the receiver and our defender, like, you know, if they were to make their jump to do something like it has to be like, like diving at the ball, like, like trying to deflect it like it's a freaking volleyball. There's they just they lose their 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 receiver. They just lose the guy they're defending. You know, 
there's just so much damn space. I mean, I would almost prefer they do the uh, the the um, what do you like the car dealership uh, wind sock guy yeah. motion. Yeah. Just start <laughs> swinging wildly. Just see what you can do. Just anything. Make yourself big. I right. you know. The, the other thing is, uh, it's basically the double move from the wide receiver, the equivalent to uh, a breaking ball to the outside for Ryan Howard. Just not anything we can remotely do anything <laughs> just with. Just uh, when Ezekiel Elliott is on the screen, not not as a you know, not as like a player mode, but when they do like a piece on him and you see his face does your blood pressure increase the way mine does uh, not not the same way yours does because I, I think you have a special kind of loathing for him um <laughs> i don't know how special it is <laughs> i thought it was actually pretty common but maybe it's not well <laughs> you just take it to the next level i, I put a no. bounty on that nose ring <laughs> for me seeing him it irks me it pissed me off it's that damn like feed me thing <laughs> like that is just especially when you're losing by freaking 20 and like okay you made the first down it wasn't even that great of a run it's like feed me baby all day i'm like <laughs> he's a he's... beast though man i, oh, I he hate is. it i hate oh. it so much and he like never you know comes up l- lame at all no. no he's he's the classic guy that you hate but man, if he was on the Eagles tomorrow, oh, I would go know. out and like buy a whole nah, thing of spoons. Nah, I'm not down with that. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> like as a person, he's a piece of shit. Oh, you don't you don't think that the uh, the piece I think at the beginning of the game when they're talking about how he's probably inspired all the the young running backs in the league to like take a vacation in Cabo and demand that you get a new contract. And that's how they, uh, that should be the new. Yeah, and what the hell is that? I'm down there working out who works out like vacation resorts in Mexico. Well, and, and I've been to vacation resorts in Mexico. What worked out? What, what can you get done? Have you I seen, don't know, but I've recorded a podcast. From there if I had to. <laughs> have you seen their equipment? It's just not up to the, up to snuff. Um, <laughs> but like the, the way that the, the broadcast team kind of talked about it, uh, you would think that he had he had stumbled upon like some sort of fountain of youth. Oh, Zeke Elliott, so brilliant, came into camp uh, just before the, uh, the the first game of the year. Look at how that spared him all, all of the the hard work of going through a preseason, just like everybody else in the NFL. So wait, you're saying that like he's the new Ponce de Leon? Like I was going to make a Ponce de Leon reference. How crazy is that? Yeah. Well, Mexico and Fountain of Youth. I mean, I, I know, but it's just like you know who who retains that information from like, the Fountain of we Youth. We do. Is, the Fountain of Youth is actually in Florida. So, oh, well, that's where he was looking. That's where yeah. Ponce de Leon was looking, right? Yeah. In Florida. I, well, I mean, I I saw the museum. It's 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 not far from Jacksonville, honestly. Oh my god! No, we're talking about how cowboys are pieces of shit. So. How about when that D-back was, like, going to fight our trainer? Yeah, what the hell is that? That is, <laughs> that is like, the least classy flex I think that I've ever heard. Oh, you spear, you spear Alshon in the head with your helmet. Yeah, and then go after as... the medic. And you know what Cowboys fans' reactions are? There wasn't an injury timeout. The Eagles should have technically received a 15-yard penalty for the trainer being oh, on the field. Oh, so that's what he was doing. He was enforcing the rules. Right. That I got. <laughs> that's what he was doing. Yeah. Well, I thought it was like 
like going for Grand Theft Auto there. Like you injure a guy, the ambulance shows up, and then you beat up the ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> I like your Grand Theft Auto style of gameplay, Chuck. <laughs> I got so bored of that game. Like I went on like two missions and then quickly became all right i'm just gonna sow chaos until he kill me <laughs> yeah you're that guy you're like the mayhem guy on the uh, all-state commercials right yeah, very much so protect yourself against mayhem like chuck <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because i always thought that uh the 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 trainer the the you know physical trainer personnel had like a special kind of respect on both sidelines because you know when somebody actually gets hurt generally both sets of trainers go out for an injury so i kind of thought that that carried this kind of like universal like you know we're we're cool kind of situation like you know so i think it's kind of a particularly douchey move to to give shit to a trainer you ever play um do you ever play medic in uh, like grade school gym no <laughs> so, do, you, do you know what this game is no i went to an all boys school we didn't play anything like uh, medic well i mean <laughs> <laughs> it was not a, a like gender specific game, so med or I don't know, maybe it's called something else now. I don't know. So medic was um, dodgeball, right? Okay. But if you got hit with the dodgeball, you were like down. You had to be like a dead body on the on the you know in the battleground, and like stars would circle or pigeons and these would circle. Medics your head. could you could go out into the game field and revive your players. So how do you stop the medic from doing that? You peg the medic. Ah, I knew it was. Right? Yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, And, and you, know, you just pelt them until the medic no longer has the will to do his job, or are they out immediately after getting pegged? So basically, if you take out the medic early, you, you know, you got a really good shot at, uh, at winning the game because they won't be able to revive their players. Right. Uh, so maybe it was like, you know, used to play medic. You know, it's like yeah. we, don't, we, don't, we don't take too kindly to people trying to help injured people. Yeah. W was your gym teacher in grade school like a Vietnam vet? <laughs> like, was this all a flashback? <laughs> oh, here come getting the medics. <laughs> Could be. All right. Now you, you, go over there. Hug him tight. Go, Billy. Seemed like he was a Civil War vet. He was <laughs> <that old. laughs> uh, all right. So we're playing the Bills next week, right? Yeah, that'd be fun to lose Bills, to the Bills. Bills by a million. Yeah. Bills in Buffalo too, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Eagles will probably win. They she better. should show me I know nothing. Like you know. they, they honestly, they better because like if they take uh, an L there, that's three five. Six. Yeah, that's five with Seattle and, five, yeah. and and the Patriots still to come and Dallas again. So you know. And Buffalo's a good team this year. Yeah, their defense is legit, man. Like, Buffalo's defense is legit. Well, that's all you I don't know, man. Right I'm, just, I, I, I'm just depressed about the whole thing. This isn't how it's supposed to happen. No. You guys want to talk about some happier stuff? Sure. Let's keep talking about football. Woohoo! But not American football. Do, 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 do. Chuck's duping over here. Yes. I don't know what that means. Can someone explain to me duping? Well, th that was like their, that's the song, right? Like it's, it, it's, it's, it's the goal song. And the, the goal song is not called dupe. It is called uh, Maria. I like it loud. Um, it is the most. Euro you did all this research today, didn't you? No, I did you not. Do this? I own Good the damn you. song. I'm trying to pull it up on my, uh, 
uh, iTunes right now, Me. but I'm old and slow at the shit. <laughs> um, but oh no, it's um, it is by I'm going blank on the name of the band, but it is Maria. I like it loud. Uh, the Flyers briefly stole it from the Union. It's been Union's goal song for almost the entire time of its existence, and it's the it's what you chant when they when they score a goal. So I'm all about the dupe. All right, cool. Hey, r- uh, real quick, iTunes uh, story. I downloaded this song called A A A A. And it's 10 minutes of silence, and it's the greatest thing when you get in your car. Oh, that's brilliant. Because it just auto-plays the silent song while you you know bring up something you actually want to listen to instead uh. of Alcohol by the Bare Naked Ladies for the 500,000th time. Oh. Because that just happens to start. I feel like yeah. there's something about your personality by what song you have first in your iTunes list, which I, I, I don't know what that says about you, Dave. It's the but... alphabet, Gene. That's... Yeah. This is the goal song. And it is like the dupe part comes in the middle, but it's by. But that's uh, what they play, right? Just the dupe, dupe, yes. dupe, dupe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's the band is called Scooter. They look to be some sort of, you know, Scandinavian descent. Yeah, def- that's definitely not an American band, right? No, no God, no. Yeah, God, no. It's it features a line of skibbity skibbidanger. <laughs> I am the real ranger. At one point fantastic so they're really big lord is. of the rings fans it's like so they put something through like a google translate to get those lyrics right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> it was actually probably a checkoff play <laughs> anyway the goddamn union first playoff win in their franchise history congratulations <laughs> over new york not the new york football club over the new york red bulls Still, yeah. like, one of the... NYFC is really good. Yeah. So, the, yeah, we don't mess around with them. But no. the Red Bulls, we can, we, we can handle. After going down two goals to none and then three goals to one, super improbable comeback, uh, but very exciting to watch for those of us that could see it. Yeah, so should we should we open our, our discussion about how much effort it took to watch this game today? <laughs> well... Yeah, I was actually really hyped to watch this game. Like, I I had my whole day planned around my afternoon, 3 o'clock, I'm watching the Union, and then, uh, you know, I'll move right into Eagles stuff. So, you know, uh, Gene, were, were you at 3 o'clock watching the game also? Yeah, I mean, I, I very similar to you. It was, it was like, you know, the, the thing circled as in, uh, you know, make sure I have all my stuff that I want to do during the day done so that I was in front of a television at 3 o'clock to watch the yeah, game. and, uh, you know, many apologies union we definitely don't talk about you enough on this podcast um but yeah you know they go down one nothing and then the feet cuts yeah and 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 i was upstairs this is this is amusing i was upstairs and uh all of a sudden the the audio cuts out and i yelled downstairs i said what what happened to the game and my my wife goes it's it's gone rainbow it's it's just it's just all rainbow. And I but you like, don't see that much anymore. No, and I said, what do you mean it's all rainbow? <laughs> and she said, it, it, it's all the colors. All of the colors are on the television. <laughs> and I said, you mean it's the test pattern? And she goes, yes. I didn't know that's what it was called. But yes, that's, <laughs> that's what's on TV. 
I like that though. Gone rainbow. Yeah, it's gone rainbow. It's like in in spaceballs when they go plaid. Oh, double rainbow. <laughs> All the way. All the way. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like I thought it was gonna. I thought it was sort of like weather related. Yeah. Because it was raining all day. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, not hard. No. No, I've certainly no, seen like... Phillies games like played in worse weather. Now, all right. With all due respect to MLS, what on God's green earth would have happened if a National Football League playoff game went rainbow? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all right. And I actually thought about this. I, I, and, and, Maybe this isn't an insight into my psychosis, but uh, as I was doing laundry, uh, you know, waiting for this feed to return. and I'm It's trying laundry to, night in America. Yeah, uh, laundry afternoon. Um, okay. I like to have my laundry done before Sunday night football. Um, but I, I'm literally folding uh, folding clothes, you know, and you kind of get into that rhythm of, you know, like your, your mind can, can go into deeper places. And I was thinking, my God, what an opportunity – that is being lost by the this union game not being on television because I'm a fairly dedicated fan uh, of sport and I mean for Christ's sake I do a, a, a sports podcast you know obviously I'm willing to dedicate unreasonable amounts of time in my life to, to talking about Philadelphia sports but if I was a lesser fan you know if the, the the game goes rainbow I'm like oh well fuck it it's it's soccer anyway I'm just gonna put red zone back on and do I bother That's to flip it. back and even check no probably not but think about like you know I've got friends who coach their daughter's you know soccer team and you know how they were all talking about how great it was to be able to sit with their daughters and watch um you know the women's national team. And I was like, God, you know, if you could, if you could find a way to kind of like tie that into a local thing. And I know the union has been around for 10 years and there's a very strong fan base, but this was the opportunity to get like the casual, I don't have an Eagles game fan into the fold today because there were a lot of people, you know, FS1 is a pretty, you know, major television channel. You, you just, you, you would have had a captive audience. There was no Eagles game. There was no Dallas game. There was no, and there was no real distraction at three o'clock. You could have just, you would have had that audience. And, and this game was the kind of game that you'd have been like, man, that was exciting. I, I think I'm going to try and go and see the union live next year. Yeah. And we're talking about an issue that you guys had. I came to the game late um, my nephew had his confirmation the other day and we, uh, were at confirmation party. So I didn't get home until, uh, almost the end of regular time. Uh, but I have Fios and I had no trouble getting the game at that point. But with that said, you know, we, you know, the three of us, you know, in particular, we get into the women's world cup. If we have a rooting interest in the men's World Cup, we get into the men's World Cup. You know, uh, what was the CONCACAFA, you know, game against Mexico a few months back we were into. You know, we are your your crossover audience for union soccer. We're not the diehards, you know, but we could be. And this was their first win I wonder how many other people were like, and it's a shame. You know, it's not something we can blame them about. It's either Comcast or FS1 or whatever. But it's a real shame that, you know, you could really sink your teeth into a new fan base. You know, because I've watched Union games on TV before, but it's not must-see TV for me. 
you know, and I've never been to a union game, but I've always wanted to go, you know, but this, you know, and I'm excited for the game on Thursday. You know, I'm making certain I'm going to sit down and watch. And again, it's a, it's at a great, it's got a great spot. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Sixers play Wednesday and they're not playing Thursday. I don't know. The Flyers playing Thursday. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I can pull I that mean, out. I'd rather I think, not. I and think they're it, off. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got Thursday night football, but if it's not the Eagles, like really, you know, eh, who cares? I'd rather watch a team, you know, from my city that's in the playoffs. Now you're in the second round of the playoffs against a team that, you know, you can beat. I mean, they, they can beat Atlanta. I mean, they beat Atlanta this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, what a thrilling game. You're absolutely right. This is like one of those games where it, it can lock you in as a fan. You could say like, okay, well now I'm, I'm going to really be interested in soccer now after, you know, if games can be this exciting, because I think everyone, like a, a lot of the casual fans think soccer is like, oh, this is a one nothing event, but you gotta, you gotta realize like the MLS people, like they're not that good. So it's, <laughs> I mean, like they're not as good, you know, it's, you know what I mean? So I know, I know. It's a little messier. We'll put it that way. Yeah. But the it, game plays a little sloppier, so there's more scoring. And to a certain degree, one of my problems used to be with the MLS that it was sloppy and there wasn't scoring. Like that that the the style of play that had become uh, prevalent in the in the in the league or prevalent. I don't even I never Thanks, get that Jesus. word right. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna let it slide. <laughs> Self self policing. Um but it, you know, it was a it was a really ugly brand of soccer. It was not uh, there was no yeah. style. There was no there was no flash. There was no and and the the style that has kind of evolved over the last couple of years. You know, it is a, it does have a certain charm to it, and uh, it's if nothing else, it's very entertaining. And this weekend, this whole weekend of soccer, there were a ton a ton of really good games and a lot of scoring. This was a very competitive back and forth. Great weekend. The Seattle game was 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 good. Yeah. You know, was a, was you know an epic game. And then I, I really think that the Union game probably passed it. And honestly, you know, I was willing to to when it got into that that you know we were, Dave and I were kind of uh, talking back and forth. Uh, you know, following kind of by ESPN scoreline. And when it got into the second half, I was like, God damn it, this is feed is not working for me. I'm gonna go out and find a way to watch it. So I found the 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 Fox app and 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 got my. 50 minutes of free uh, free viewing uh, on the app, which turns out by having cable company, I was able to continue to watch it. But anyway, um, so I, you know, I, I just hope that there were a lot of other people that took the time today and made the effort to to use technology the way it's God intended us to, and find a way to watch the game on your phone and uh, and not you know turn back to red zone or at least put red zone on mute. And uh, I want to follow up two things. The Flyers are playing Thursday. I thought the uh, game against Chicago was Wednesday. We're playing Chicago on Thursday. Um, but also, I want to talk about the crowd today at that Union yeah. game. The Union always tends to have good crowds, and the the Sons of Ben, you know, really make a great supporters group. But it was an ugly day, man. I was driving around, you know, from Philly suburbs to you know, the Jersey Philly suburbs and it was a mess, man. It was a cold, misty day. And that crowd was raucous. My son had his intramural soccer game today. Oh, they had that game. Come on, dudes. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to put you in the penalty box for it, but you know, come on. 
got to have that happen. But yeah, no, I mean, like the crowd was great. It, the, that stadium was full. That lo- you know what? I got to be honest. I've never been to a Union game. Uh, I always have like the best intentions of getting out there, and I drive over the Commodore Barry Bridge uh, twice a day, uh, five days a week. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. It's got great views. Um, yeah, I always want to get out there, uh, but it, it looked like it was a great time today. All right, it's official. Uh, next season, we will go and celebrate the uh, MLS champion Union and have a potted Alfia day. Or at least the MLS. Yeah, no, I mean, we definitely should. I mean, I always talk a big game about going, but something always comes up. But yeah, we should definitely make it a point to get out there. Done. Oh, thank you. Did you put that in the calendar? I see you with your phone out. Yeah, no, I think Chuck's going to have us there opening night. Yeah, we should go to opening day. Whatever. That actually might be not a bad idea. And then we'll, hey, we'll bring you a podcast about it. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let's keep the good times rolling. How about Penn State Saturday? Another team we don't really talk about it all that much did you guys get to check out the penn state game at all the whiteout i i did not um i don't follow penn state i apologize to my brother and several other friends and family members but uh i did not but i saw a lot of you know those okay. same people celebrating it that's I, I just think you know this is are we down the path of prototypical penn state where we're gonna have this like Eight and zero start, but we're gonna lose to Illinois. Or we already won the Iowa game, right? Yeah. Or Minnesota, or something like. Well, Minnesota is actually pretty good this year, but they but do th- have. I think. I think I saw today. There's they have a better than twelve percent chance to make the uh, the playoff. Which I, I still think has been uh, maybe the the one of the great innovations in American sport is in making a college football playoff. Uh, talk about something that I could not care less about uh, for most of uh, most of my life was was the the college ranking system. Uh, there was nothing that irritated me more than the idea of a team that would lose in one week, uh, you know, lose its first game and then play. Uh, you know, the rest of its schedule and win every game and have no chance at, at winning the title. Um, I feel like there is a it's less of, of a absolute you have to be undefeated to, to be the best team, because the one thing about football is you you need to be able to see some of these teams play against each other to be able to gauge who the best is. And, uh, you know, I feel like Penn State notoriously has been jobbed by that whole system. And I would love to see. Uh, you know, after the the checkered and storied history of this this institution, to see them, uh, you know, have a have a have a positive moment this season. Well, yeah, because we've always been locked into that Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, I'd say we as Penn State. I did not go to Penn State. None of us did because we all went to school together, and it wasn't Penn State. <laughs> um, we didn't have a football team. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and you know, it was the year. It was the Kajana Carter, Kerry Collins year. Forget what year that was, but we got screwed because we played in the Rose Bowl against uh, an Oregon team. While you know, I, I don't know, I forget who won that year, but those SET, SEC teams get to all play each other, and they they all have tough opponents. Or so. I feel like it was like one of Nebraska's many championships throughout my life. Maybe me. yeah, and that, during that time that Tom Osborne stuff. Yeah, so whatever. Anyway, Penn State's got a chance to make the play. I think they have a chance to have, have them and Ohio State in the uh, in the playoffs this year. 
But that would be kind of cool. I think that would be great just for college football in general. You know what I mean? I think that those are really big schools, really big fan bases. And I think you get a lot of eyeballs on, you know, even more so than you have right now. I I think the the, the bit of college football that I've watched this year, I got to be honest, it's been really good football. Like, it's been a lot of fun to watch. All right, that's enough positive vibes. Let's talk about the Flyers. (laughs) Uh, The Flyers had one awful game this week. It was not the six to three game. Uh, It was that Flames (laughs) Uh game. It wasn't. No, it wasn't that six to three game. That was the, the Flyers versus Connor McDavid and the Oilers. And we kicked the Oilers ass. Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. Well, they, they won the game on their own, but that, um, Flames game was off. Carter Hart get pulled after 10 shots. He got pulled after four goals. I don't know if it was 10 shots. Yes. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it sound more positive. I'm not sure if I did or not, but well, and Carter Hart has struggled the last two games. Um, and I'd say only the last two games um, previous to that, um, the Chicago game, he was fine to good. Uh, great in the um, Devils game. Damn it, Chuck! We Good. only played like five games. That's like a forty percent struggle rate. Well, that and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I am okay with that. He is a young goalie. He's gonna have his ups and downs. Uh, tomorrow or today, when you're listening to this, he's gonna play Vegas. I I'm assuming. I I'll be playing Vegas, baby. And Vegas is a really good team. Yeah. It's going to be another tough game. You know, we talked about before the season that this schedule is tough, and and we're seeing it. But, and, and I don't want to be too optimistic. I think there's a little, a little too many question marks. But let's talk about the the most recent loss to Dallas. We let up two shots in the second and the third until we pulled our goalie. Unfortunately, one of those shots was a goal. Um, but two periods, two shots. We pulled our goalie. They so scored on the right, third right, shot right. in those two periods. So that doesn't really count. The Flyers are driving play at an obscene rate. Now, there's a big problem here that we're not scoring enough. You know, JVR has a ton of chances. He's not putting any in the net. I was just going to bring up his name. Like, what is, what can, is he like squeezing the stick? Is he, like, it just feels like he he just cannot get one in the basket. I I would say Gossespierre is definitely squeezing the stick. He's getting the lanes, but he's missing the target. Um, Maybe Giroux. I don't think JVR is squeezing the stick. I think, I, I think he's just a little, has a little bit of bad luck. JVR is doing what JVR does. And this is the most, you know, full-throated endorsement of JVR you'll ever get from me because <laughs> I don't I don't I I think he's he could have a bigger game, but I've given up on that. He's a goal scorer and in in that Dallas game, he's just at the net and it's like throws the damn puck on the net. And yeah, it was a low percentage chance because Bishop was right there, but he was there to collect the the rebound and throw it again onto Bishop. So he's trying his damnedest to score, but I don't think it's a case of 
clutching the stick too tight. I do think that is the case with Ghost. Um, I think he just needs to get one, and then he'll be fine. Uh, Giroux, I, I think he's playing a little bit of a different role, and he does have a tendency to try too hard. So I I would say maybe Giroux could be clutching the stick too hard. But there's there's still a lot of positives. But so do you? I mean, do you feel like we're lacking? I don't know imagination. I've heard that. Um, maybe I would say the Oilers game, that game, we lost six to three. I think Elaine Vigneault said like, yeah, we did a lot of great things. I was perfectly happy with that loss. It sucked that it happened that way, but the Flyers just had every bad bounce against them. Well, and Dallas Connor McDavid them. is real, real good. If you yeah. hadn't. You know, if you haven't seen him, and and, I, and and you know, I'll be the first one to confess, I don't watch a lot of Edmonton games. Like they just do not come on at a convenient time to watch. But my God, like that guy, he's got a gear that, like, I don't know that I've ever seen. You know, he gets up the the ice from the opposite. Like it just, he just, he does things that I have never seen anybody that play hockey before. He just, he's really, really good. He he's the fastest player ever to play the game that's like the consensus the i love go back to that goal he scored against you know uh braun and it's give all the credit in the world to to justin braun for when he like saw that mcdavid had intercepted the puck like or was sorry was on route to the puck he pumped his legs so damn hard. It was like someone <laughs> trying to outrun a zombie horde. Like he just like he knew he was beat, but he fought everything he could. And McDavid just glided up there, picked it up and then put it in the back of the net. McDavid is going to go down to the second best player of all time. Just putting it out there. McDavid is phenomenal. Um, with that said, Dallas was not. But Dallas is better than the record. I think I threw it out there. They were my prediction to represent the West in the Stanley Cup. I'm not so sure about that now. But they have a lot of good elements. They're playing, you know, they were better than their record showed. But in their offensive zone, the Flyers were doing nothing. Like, like they were getting shots off, but they they weren't some tic-tac, you know, tic-tac-toe passing there was just something missing there. You know, so maybe that is that lack of creativity. Maybe that is something I don't know. So is, but, the, is the move today to bring up, it's Farabee that's coming up today, right? Or was going to come up today. Is that move to try to inspire some sort of a spark plug into the offense? Uh, you know, or, you know, is there some sort of a, uh, you know, they want to rest somebody, you know, what, what's, what's, what's the move here, Chuck? Well, I think the move is something that Chuck Fletcher said early on, you know, and people just completely ignored that this roster is not set in stone. We have a lot of good prospects. We have a lot of good players down in the Phantoms, and there were going to be moving pieces. And Carson Terwenski had won the role out of camp. Uh, Connor Bunneman had won his role out of camp. They're both going down to the Phantoms. Uh, Bunneman had already gone down. Terwenski's going down now. And both are being replaced um, by Joel Farabee, who's been great. 
with the Phantoms. He has he's been putting it in the back of the net, which was the one thing he couldn't do for the Flyers in preseason. And Mikhail Vorobiev come back up to play that fourth line center again. And it it's not a move of desperation, um, but it's using your assets. And one thing I want to really touch on is there's some talk of, you know, Chris Stewart is still on the roster and I'm not a big proponent of Chris Stewart, but he does bring that intangible. We have no fighter slash tough guy on the team. So, you know, let's say somebody takes a run at, you know, uh, the next time we play the devil, someone takes a run at Provorov or Giroux or whatever. You want Chris Stewart in the lineup for that return matchup. But outside of that, pretty much no. Farabee's not coming up to replace Stewart. He's not coming up to replace Bunneman. He's coming up on the third line wing. He was never going to come up to play fourth line minutes. Mikhail Vorobiev um, was our presumptive fourth line center last year and then just didn't have good showing in the NHL. That kind of depth that we can just improve our third line, bring up a you know, uh, uh, a winger who has better skill set than Twarensky and a center who's better than Bunneman. Uh, hypothetically, I think in the long term, uh, Vorobiev is better than Bunneman. But just the fact that we can go to those depth players, you know, see who else we have in the bullpen. So I, I think they need they need to score just so it doesn't become a complex. You know, if you give up high danger chances, but you only give up two or three of them a game and they each go in the back of the net, I'm fine with that. We have enough talent to win five to three, four to three, seven to three. Yeah. But we gotta we have to start scoring before it becomes a thing where everybody's clutching their stick too hard and everyone's trying to make the extra pass. And unfortunately, Vegas is a tough opponent to play against although historically in their very short history the flyers have played them well Here, here's a here's one last thing on the flyers or this is just kind of a general question so did you catch um that uh, clip that they were playing i guess from the dallas game last night where the the guy that's got the tattooed belly was at the uh at mm-hmm. the game so uh i don't know if the flyers tweeted this out or if gritty himself tweeted this out but the big reveal was that gritty has now been added to the gut which goes back to my point as i said we're seeing the sistine chapel in stages not all complete all at once which kind of pisses me off so we know that gritty is now going to be to uh the the belly's right hand side um which there is a huge space on the left hand side there's some sort of milk carton that's over there that's in 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 fanatic's hand i think when we see it colored in we'll know um but like there's a big piece of real estate there what guys what do you think is going in that slot you know had i been a gambling man and we all know that i am i would have thought that that gritty would have gone right in there you know i was surprised that he went into the right side so you know you've got all that left-handed side you know what you know is it big shot do you think that it might be big shot no big shot's gonna be on the milk carton because he's missing okay he's missing oh i like that i think it's going to be nick Foles in the gap nick Foles in the gap (laughs) i mean nick Foles would be a good nominee to fill a gap yeah (laughs) 
What about a Ben Franklin? Could you put a Ben Franklin? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. I feel like that kind of. Uh, you have the giant eagle, obviously representing the Eagles. You got the fanatic. You got gritty. You need. I feel like you really do need something to Maybe represent uh... the Sixers. Yeah. You know, could it be AI? You know, could it be like given the given the you know maybe it's the step over in the gap? A JoJo. A JoJo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would you know kind of a modern take. Yeah. Yeah. You know what could fill the gap? Chuck's penalty box. Thank you, Dave. And we'll start with Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Oh, man, there were so many, so oh, many man. options this week. But uh, I think I'm going to take uh, what is probably uh, the path of, path of least resistance, and hopefully I don't snake somebody else's pick here on this one. But uh, did you catch the interviews, some of the man-on-the-street interviews that were being done um, by Yahoo Sports? I believe it was Yahoo Sports um, after the Nationals advanced to the World Series. Uh, <laughs> but if you oh. haven't caught it, uh, there is a there's a guy who is, uh, you know, there there's fans. They're coming out of the stadium. They're cheering loudly. You know, yeah, we won. We won. And one of the reporters, uh, gr- you know, turns his mic to one of the other fans and they, you know, how long have you waited for this? And the guy says, I've been a fan since today. And um, if that doesn't kind of sum up my thoughts about the Washington Nationals fan base. I don't know of a better yeah, example. I mean, we didn't really, we didn't really get a lot of time to preview the, the world series this week, but you know, obviously we're team Houston here. Uh, my, I'm well on the record for my hatred of the Washington Nationals baseball team. It's freaking what a bullshit fan base that is. Fans since today. And it's just proof that, like, every single team, no matter what their fan base actually is, always says that they have the greatest fans. It's just ridiculous. Fan, fan since today. And and dumb enough to even say that out loud. Like, you know, maybe you are a fan since today, but by God, like, give any other answer. You know, uh, my whole life. That, that should be the answer to... You know, the question, you know, how long have you waited for this my whole life? Boom. It should come right out. If the Nationals win, if the Nationals win, they could like, I don't know, maybe like they could start like some sort of convention. Like like they they can show up like Raptors fans can show up and talk about like (laughs) the struggles of just hopping on to a fan base. Like how fast they win a championship when a bandwagon is moving that fast. You have to really run quickly to get on it. Like that's kind of the problem is that sometimes before you realize that there's even a bandwagon, it's already in Los Angeles. Yeah. The axle already breaks. Right. Yeah. What do you, yeah. It's like, they could be like, Oh, you know what? How did you feel when Kawhi left? Because you know, Rendon's going to leave. Yeah. Maybe you could give us some advice. No, but, but nationals fans are more, uh, concerned with what Bryce Harper is doing than actually, you know, being in the World Series. Also, I just want to say, like, t- Phillies, timeout. I know we're going to talk probably more about you next week. Chuck is, like, exasperated because this is turning into a segment here. Uh, Phillies, do not hire Dusty Baker and then go after Rendon because I just can't I, – I don't know if I can handle Nationals fans, like, saying, like, you're just trying to be us. Anyway. All right, I'll stop talking about baseball. Now. So anyway, uh, Washington Nationals, and you're not going to be able to see this. I know this is this is not a visual medium, but Washington Nationals fan, you are in the penalty box. All right, well, a couple things. 
<laughs> Unpack that for us, yeah. Chuck. Uh, I think everyone did hear the air quotes, Gene. <laughs> so very well done there. Second, I kind of think we're, we're losing a bit of track of Chuck's penalty box segment. I'm going to try to boil down to what the actual penalty was. So, Nationals fan, who was a fan all the way since today, you are getting a one-day suspension. Your entire length of your fandom has been suspended. National fan, do better next time. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right, I am putting the uh, Oklahoma Sooners Spirit Squad into the penalty box. <laughs> <It's all> this. <laughs> this is a college football heavy episode. Anyway, so the the Sooner Schooner, um, which is basically a covered wagon being drawn by a couple of smallish horses slash pony donkey machine things. <laughs> <laughs> no they're real live animals uh drag this wagon out onto the field and um because you have a bunch of idiot college kids driving this thing it inevitably tipped over onto the field potentially injuring uh several young adults uh fortunately no one was injured uh however i think if you know when i was watching the replay i think i did see several cans of natty ice uh, a package of condoms and a couple of packs of Parliament lights spill out of the Sooner Schooner uh, when it tipped over, leaving an amazingly deep rut in the middle of the football field. Uh, and uh, I, I, they they said that uh, it tipped over due to um, improper weight distribution in the back of the wagon uh, from the from the spirit, uh, spirit squad. PETA has also come out to condemn this practice by saying that the use of live animals at sporting events is unnecessary and dangerous. So uh, for that, I'm putting the Oklahoma Sooner spirit squad into the penalty box. All right. The Sooner Schooner, uh, you are getting a double minor for having too much junk in the trunk and tipping over and review uh, revealing all of your college misdeeds chuck who's in your penalty box all right um my penalty box has been a long time coming uh-huh. um it's sort of almost a, a penalty box time machine here and tonight was the 30th um, episode of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. It's Ooh. been going on for 30 years. Dang. And I've watched every single one every single year. And I'm going back to 20, um, sorry, not 2012, Treehouse of Horrors 12, which is the absolute worst Treehouse of Horrors. And what it's was showcased in that treehouse? You, you remember? Oh, I do. Oh, so it is it begins um, with a uh, segment um, titled Hex in the City, which was a Uh, not a sex in the city parody, but one where a gypsy places a curse on Homer and various things happen. And it was kind of it was meandering and wasn't particularly insightful or scary or terribly funny. It was just kind of meh. Uh, the best one of the lot is, uh, and I forget the title of that. I, I do remember it's House of Wax, um, 
Wax, W-H-A-C-K-S. Mm, yep, there you go. Uh, the Smart House with uh, Pierce Brosnan is the voice that far, falls in love with Marge. Um, some clever moments there. A 2001 parody. You know, it was fine. The last episode, uh, the last segment is The Wiz Kids. And this was a Harry Potter parody before the first Harry Potter movie came out. It would be coming out in November of that year. So it was really on the cutting edge. It was awful. It had no references, wasn't terribly clever. It didn't really evoke the books. And I thought it was just a really, I thought it was sort of a misunderstanding of the situation. And somebody just really came up short. And that that kind of sucks because say what you want of later day Simpsons, the Treehouse of our horror episodes are typically very good. Um. But then I found out years later, listening to the DVD commentary, yes, we are going that dorky, <laughs> that the writers didn't read the damn books. They didn't read the books. They, I don't. So they took vague knowledge of some a school for wizards and some names and threw it all together and came up with this lazy ass piece of shit segment. And so Treehouse of Horrors number 12, Simpsons writers behind it. You are going in the penalty box for a squandered opportunity. Great work of American, not American, uh, world fiction uh, that you absolutely squandered. That's a uh, two minute minor for roughing up a classic. I don't know. Hold on. Wait a second. So this year is Treehouse of Horrors 30. Correct. It was episode 666. It featured an appearance by Gritty. Now, he was the wrong colors, but this is the second appearance of the Philadelphia Flyers in a Treehouse of Horrors. Can either one of you name the first? No. No. It probably has something to do with the hockey mask. Or or Bobby Clark. Well, kind of Bobby Clark. It was in The Devil and Homer Simpson. Uh, I think it was Treehouse of Horrors number four. Um, And... Flanders was the devil. Homer sold him his soul for a donut. He went on trial for it. And the jury of the damned featured uh, Lizzie Borden, um, Benedict Arnold, uh, Richard Nixon, um, Blackbeard the Pirate, and the starting lineup of the 1976 Philadelphia Flyers. Right. So Bobby Clark. Yep. Uh, But Chuck, I I do want to say kudos to you. House of Horrors 12, if, if if you're naming... If your your uh, you know segment titles are correct, Hex in the City could be misconstrued as you know what what the Flyer season last year like had to deal with was Hex in the City, uh, <laughs> and then the Whiz Kids like that's clearly a reference yeah, to Phillies. to the Phillies. So like that that was very very uh, Philadelphia sports tied in to the whole situation. But what I'm trying to get at here is if we are at Treehouse of Horrors 30, and you today put in. Treehouse of Horrors 12. This is 18 years of uh, pent-up hostility about this episode. It is. I can tell you where I was when I watched it in 2001. I was in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, I had just moved down there. I was in the apartment of somebody whose name is David Downs. Haven't spoken to him in 18 years. David, if you're listening. Shout um, out. Yeah. Um, And thoroughly disappointed. And it has hung with me to this very day. All right, great. Well, look, that's uh, that's definitely. <laughs> I I love the callback to the great uh, Virginia experiment. That's 
you yeah. know that it was a dark period of your, your your lives, gentlemen. And I'm sorry I missed it, frankly. While we're on the Halloween tip, though, real quick, my oldest son has elected to be Chase Utley for Halloween, complete with gray hair, soul patch, and everything. If is he silver uh, fox, is he yeah. zombie like Walking Dead no. Chase Utley and wearing a, a no, a, he just a wants Dodgers to be straight up Chase no. Utley, yeah. Phillies uniform, right? Not Dodgers. Yep, red, red and white pinstripe. Yep. Okay. Well, look, that's all the time we have for today, everybody. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, please join the conversation with us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we've been posting um, a lot lately on, so check us out there. Uh, we'll be back. Next Monday, we'll be talking about Sixers tipping off this week against the Celtics. Uh, we'll update you on the Phillies managerial search. Uh, you know, we'll break down the Eagles and uh, and Bills game also. Uh, so until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.